John, did Apple ever ship iOS eight for you? Well, you know, they were, they were, they were, it seemed like they were hesitating, but then I, I would imagine that the red telephone that had once been in the White House and provided a direct link to the Soviet counterparts during the Cold War was just ringing off the hook in, in, in Tim's office and he made the button push. He says, I can push buttons and make shit happen. You saw what I did with the U2 album. We're shipping iOS 8 in three, two, one. That's exactly what happened. So, John, since we were last on the air, people have got their hands on their iPhone 6s. Neither of us have, so we're talking from complete theory here. But um, I actually got to use one for the first time over the weekend, have a, have a play with someone's. And the general opinion of almost everybody who has one so far is it's beautifully made, it's beautifully designed. The screen is fantastic. The camera is amazing. But everybody thinks it's too big. In and I'm talking about the six, not even the six plus. Right. I was afraid of that. And I think I, I listened carefully to what you say, as I always do. And it's like you said, you got your hands on one. I, do, are you able to comfortably use it with just one hand? Or is it really now it's uh, it, even the six is a phablet? No, I can't. Well, okay, let, let's um, uh, take this one step at a time. I cannot, uh, I have quite small hands and I could just about reach top and bottom of the phone if I had to, but it really wouldn't be comfortable. Um, of course, the, the phone has the um, ability that if you double tap the home button or just double touch as opposed to tap, it brings the top of the screen down to halfway down of the screen so that you can then reach it easier. Um, so it, it, so could you use it with one hand? Yes, but it requires you doing things like that as opposed to just using, um, the widescreen. Um, and, uh, so, sorry, let me get this straight. So in order to reach around and touch your bottom, you have to do untoward things to maintain comfort. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, okay. And, um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, it doesn't feel too big in the hand and, and it's probably even slightly lighter than the previous, um, 5S, I think. Um, but, uh, it, it just does feel a bit big in usage, which is, which is a shame. And, um, I was just having breakfast with someone this morning and was wondering if when it comes to 6S time, we might see a small one back. That's, uh, an interesting theory. I mean, I, I, my guess was that in order to maintain battery life with the, the faster processor, and so if they just needed some more space, so they figured that you know, better to, to make it thinner and a bit wider than than tr force it to, to have a, a you know a less good experience or make it denser or whatever. But I could be wrong. So yeah, so a lot of people have been complaining. Well, a lot of people I follow and listen to, um, particularly women who obviously again tend to have smaller hands again. Um, and, and find it difficult to use. Although people aren't complaining about the 6 Plus because I think people have just said, well, it's going to be frigging huge anyway. So they were already in the mode that this is a two-handed device and everything. So um, it's going to be interesting. Well, we should make a phone call down to our friends in Ethiopia who just got a, a charity water wall last year, well, last year, and see what they think. We should do. Yes. We should do. So iOS 8 did ship um, along with the phone and one a few days before and um, gave you some problems, didn't it? It did. You know, and this was an interesting experience. I mean, there were so many things. Now you look back at it and you can see, yes, there's obviously so many things that changed. But uh, 
I, I personally feel, and if, if people are at Apple are listening, I, I feel a little bit sad um, because uh, we ran into some problems and, and now we're kind of scurrying a little bit and, and scratching our heads on how to fix it. And this has to do with the um, camera roll. So I don't know whether you've noticed, but in the Photos app, you no longer have this saved photos uh, catch-all album, which contains every photo that you have on your device. You only have recently added photos, which it's not clear what the number it is and whether it's done by last 30 days or last X number of photos, it's not at all clear and I couldn't find it documented anywhere. But that fundamentally changes a very, very nice aspect of Findery, which I really worked hard to make, which was that you could go on the map and travel anywhere in the world. And if you have photos that are within the region on the map where that's currently displayed, there's a little thumbnail that appears on the top right-hand corner. If you tap on it, photos that were taken in that area independent of the time, float down beautifully on the screen. If you want to use those as the starting point of a note, you can. And also, it just means that when you go to move the map anywhere while you're leaving a note, the ones that are closest geographically to the place where you're leaving a note are the ones that are, it, it sorts by that. So it makes it, you know, it, it does the, 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 the most likely course of outcome. It's a, if, if I dare say so myself, a very Apple-like thing of, of anticipating what the, the user wants next. And we can't do that anymore. Well, we can't do that in all anymore using the AL assets, you know, the AL assets library uh, API because it doesn't work. So there's no way to enumerate every single photo you have. They're there on the device. You have to adapt the new photos kit framework, um, which kind of sucks because it means that you it really kind of will force you to to either do a bunch of if def code, you know, to, to be able to maintain compatibility with both seven and eight, or you just have to force it to use eight. Now, in most times, you would just basically say, well, it's not a problem, we're going straight to eight. But, you know, my my view of the stats that I saw um, yesterday is that the uptake was was measurably, you know, quite a bit slower than, than iOS 7. Part of the reason for that is it demanded if you're doing open air updates, I've heard two gigabytes, I've heard four gigabytes. 4.9. 4. Which is which is outrageous. I, I mean, had like to that- delete every podcast because I people said to me just connect it to iTunes. I refused to do that. I had to delete every podcast, every movie, and every song off of my phone to get it to update from seven to um, eight, and then re-download them all again. Yeah, and I think people so- just won't do that. So people yeah. will just say, "Oh, I'll get round to it one day." So um, I was having this discussion again with someone. I think the adoption rates we are going to see um, are going to be a lot slower because. The vast majority of people are not going to do that. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, I wasn't going to run a phone that didn't have eight on it. Um, in fairness, once I got eight on the phone, um, I still I'm still running a five because I t- normally take every gener- other generation. So I was due for a phone this time and just haven't done it for the reasons we discussed last week. Um, and normally, by the time you're on your second um, update of your know, major update of iOS on a phone, you you know you know that you're running a couple of generations old phone, but I have to say, eight is running really, really well. Um, on your five, really? On the five, it's it's running great. That, I'm not having any trouble with it at all. It doesn't feel oh. slow in any way at all. But getting it on there was a complete bitch. Um, huh. And yeah, you know, if you're running on a five C with only eight gig of memory, I mean, and it requires a four point nine gig. Well, that's what it told me in software update. It requires four point nine gig of space. Um, and I'm on a sixteen um, gig phone. Um, so, uh, as probably I would imagine, the majority of fives and in, 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 uh, are on sixteen gig, and I don't know for about the five Cs. So I think we're going to see pretty slow updates, um, adoption rates, um, which makes things like choosing to go straight to iOS eight and use PhotoKit 
a a far harder decision. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, that's I'm going to spend the rest of the day trying to figure out if there's a way for doing it. I mean, in this particular case, it, it may be possible without too much pain in that, for the most part, uh, the code in Finder interacts with our own um, asset uh, model class. And the reason we do that is because um, AL asset is kind of ephemeral, your access to it. And, you know, you, you have to kind of initialize the library. And, and while the, li- well, and if you do it in some type of controller class, only during the lifetime of that controller class is your access valid for the AL assets you fetch. So, um, I actually create, uh, a model class, which also kind of, you know, has the, 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 the geo, geo data and date associated with it. So I can do very, very fast in memory sorts and, and queries. And in fact, actually, so what that, what, what that makes it is that the behavior that you get with photos kit and pH assets that I, I've had, I have that because I created it. Right. So there may be a way of saying, well, you know, take this code path for seven. That's not too terribly painful and take this code path for eight. Um, so I'm going to try to do that because I, I don't want to force people to have to upgrade right now. Not, not given what I've seen. So, well, oh, well. well do, do you know for a fact that uh, photo kit on eight allows you to do what you want to do? Uh, yes, you have to take some additional steps because it's kind of they give with one hand and take away with another. There's a very, very simple way of of, of getting at all the metadata uh, from the asset itself. And from what I've understood with PhotoKit, you have to drop down a level, which is fine, um, but then you have to kind of go and and, and, and pull out the, the, the metadata in the same way that you do, basically using the, the image I.O. classes. Um, so it's it's not quite as convenient. And the other thing, too, is you have to be a lot more careful because... Uh, with AL assets, you if you if you have an AL asset, you you know that you can get at the 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 local file URL or, or file URL like uh, um, uh, access to to the actual data. And whereas with a, a, a PH asset, a PhotoKit asset, you know you th- it might be representing something that's on the cloud somewhere, and it will get it for you, but you have to then wait to get it. It will at most give you the thumbnail, and so that that changes some of the of your app design. Um, you know, for, for our purposes, you know, having, having the ability to pull down a file that lives on the cloud is kind of nice. Actually, you know, boy, it'd be really nice if we could just say we got the thumbnail, the file itself is already on the, on a cloud somewhere and just point a URL to our cloud and let it suck it up that way rather than having to bring it down just to push it back up. You know, that would be super good design. Apple should hire me. I know about this stuff. Yeah. Um, you're going to struggle with permissions there, aren't you there? Yeah, you will. I mean, and, but, but. Yeah, I mean, there, there are certainly ways around it with, with kind of t- tokens and stuff like that that don't last forever, but whatever. Um, uh, you know, I think that, that they are moving in the direction where they, 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 they have an architecture in place which, which recognizes the fact that people want to interact with, with their digital media that they author from multiple devices, and you can't count that you're going to have a, all, your, all your assets on one device. It's, it's unrealistic. All your assets will, will live in the cloud, and then each of your different you know your phones your tablets even even your desktop computers eventually will just be you know cached client caches of of them that sure seems to be the, i'm yeah. not looking forward to that day <laughs> the biggest mistake yeah. i ever make in buying any device is i buy it with night enough storage um yeah and so when, when i bought my last um macbook air i just went for the maximum storage but of course i bought the 11 inch air so it was only 512 or whatever it is you know which um I'm always fighting, but there we go. So you, you're just talking about some of, um, you know, maybe having to if-def between 7 and 8 and, and work this stuff out. Um, I watched, uh, I got around to watching um, today uh, a video from Dub Dub uh, 14 
um, called Sharing Code Between iOS and OS X, uh, which has been on my list to watch for a little while because it just sounded like, well, there's going to be some interesting tips in there. I'm going to um, going to watch that. But I hadn't actually realized that this uh, video is presented by the um, some people from the iWork team. And it's explaining how they build uh, now build iWork for iOS and iWork for OS X from exactly the same code base um, using different targets. And it was talking about their cross-platform strategies for how they made this stuff work. Um, but equally at the same time, they've, they've talked just, we'll come and we'll come to some more of that stuff in a moment, but equally at the same time, they were talking about, uh, their cross, um, version strategies as well to make, to make stuff work. And you just talking early on about you, you, you make a class, a wrapper class and everything. And that, that's something that they seem to have done a lot of is, is they, they, they create wrapper classes, um, particularly for platform, different stuff where you have, uh, for an example, you know, um, they use their own image class right. that um, is a wrapper, and that into that, uh, and they create an image API that their application then uses, um, and that wrapper class then talks to either NS image or UI image, depending on where it's running, right. and does all the right thing. And so they're not actually re-implementing all that code; they're just wrapping it. Um, and equally, they could there could be changes in something if there's a change in, in an API. Um, they can start if defing the code and making um, sort of changes and workarounds and hacks inside their wrapper class, but it doesn't actually make the code inside their application itself inelegant because it still just carries on using their image API. Um, so maybe that's something you can look at for solving your problem. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, in general, you know, we, Finder really hasn't ever done anything on Mac. We haven't done a share extension. There's really no reason why we can't. Um, and yeah, I was more—I becomes... was more talking about you. You could, if if you were to um, create yourself a, a, a photo management class, as you say you have, and then just internally mm-hmm. make that class hack around between um, uh, whether it's using iOS seven or iOS six or iOS whatever it is, and, and do all the stuff in there. That means gradually, as you as you drop support for um, iOS seven going forward, you you just going to be dropping the code out of that one class, and 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 the rest of your application isn't being changed. Well, yeah, I mean that 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 that's what that's what I mean, I'll probably almost certainly end up doing because I've already taken the the first steps toward doing it. But I was also just saying in general, um, you know, it, it, the ability to have frameworks and resources is is another thing that makes these cross platform you know development better. And I think even within even if you were just targeting iOS only, there's a lot of 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 I think sound arguments for not building monolithic applications anymore. If you look what Facebook has done, I mean, you know, Facebook is Facebook, they're their own world. But you know, instead of having absolutely all functionality in one monolithic Facebook Facebook app, that you know, they for instance split out with Messenger, and I'm sure there are people squeaking and squawking, but from a technical point of view, it looks very, very successful. Um, that it's very easy to see notifications when you've got a message and you tap on it and just launches the messages app in context, and you can make a messaging app which is much cleaner and much nicer and all the screen real estate goes towards making that experience as good as possible. You know, they had the papers app, which was, was kind of, you know, I, I don't know how the uptake has, has been on it. It was a beautiful app, but it seems to be a, a replacement for the kind of news feed, personalized news feed 
uh, aspect of, of Facebook. So there's there's a strong argument, and, and we're thinking about it very carefully about saying, well, you know, let's have a couple of applications that that work together. And the only way you can practically do that is if you have shared frameworks. And it's not just you know shared you know non UI classes and shared model classes, but you know things like resources, localizable strings, you know images, uh, nib files, zip files, whatever you know, and and uh, it's it's I I'd say that the the transition to iOS eight is 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 probably more painful than it was from six to seven because there are so many more possibilities which are really good. I mean, when you think about it, about cross platform apps or or apps that will really run on on pretty radically different uh, screen sizes and, and capabilities, but still have a lot of shared code, um, and that you can start to see Xcode projects that that have multiple targets and say, you know, here's Findery for iWatch, here's oh, sorry Apple Watch, here's Findery for you know Mac as a share extension or maybe even a, a desktop uploader for museums. And, and here's Findery suite of apps for, for, for iOS. But we'll see. It's interesting because in the session, they they talk about how they actually thought about using frameworks and didn't. They just share code. Um, and because huh. they basically, they're, the entire iWork um, ecosystem of you know, I, I, iOS for iPhone, um, iWork for iPhone, Pages, Keynote for iPhone, for, for iPad, for Mac, is all in one Xcode project with multiple targets and just hacking in the right, hacking is the wrong word, uh, compiling right. in the right code in the right place. Um, Interesting. Is, is the way they, they do it. So it's, you know, from the same code base, they can just set a build going for any of their products from the same code base and they don't have to worry about frameworks, they don't have to worry... Huh. And they have to then manage, of course, if you change a piece of code, what effect is that going to have everywhere? And your testing regime is going to um, have to worry about that. But that's, you know, that's something you should be doing anyway. And in fact, that sometimes gets forgotten when you're issuing a new framework um, around there. So it's, um, yes, yeah, so uh, they've basically gone for the approach of that their, their model code is identical. So the document that is stored on an iPad or an iPhone is identical now to the document that's stored on your Mac. And the code that opens it is identical, the code that saves it is identical the code that manages it is the same piece of code um so all of that stuff's identical uh, a lot of their sort of um th then they break their stuff down quite logically that uh, into stuff like on the different platforms you might have a a class that's just designed to recognize gestures and another that's designed to recognize keystrokes and mouse movements but they then both talk to the same management class that for instance manipulates the image or rotates the image um, it's just where those instructions are coming from is different, and and the way they've broken it down is um, uh, is quite interesting. It's well worth watching. Um, obviously, if it works for their project, um, I don't know how hard it is to manage, but they say iWork has over a million lines of code in it and uh, ten thousand different classes in the project. Um, they made no attempt to share view code at all um, because they just decided that wasn't worthwhile. Too many if defs and whatever else all over the place. Um, they keep their controllers incredibly, their view controllers they, they virtually don't share at all because they made the decision that view controllers will do nothing but speak to other classes or speak to the view so there's no logic as such in a view controller, they just speak to other classes. Um, and if you haven't uh, seen this one yet, um, I'll say whether you're doing just multiple iOS projects or um, you know, iOS and OS 10, it, it's, it's worth a watch. I'll put a link in the show notes. Awesome. I will. I will actually very happily watch that. I, I I took note of it, but I haven't got around to watching it. But this, I think, seems the right time to be watching it. Yeah, I think it's number two two five sharing code between iOS and OS ten. Ah, oh, so 
It's um, uh, other than the fact, did you get lots of bug reports that your your um, app was wrong, or did you notice? Are people complaining? Are your reviews going down because of it? How's that? How's that work? No, well, I mean, it, it, it's still early. It's still early days, and, and truth be told, uh, we. We didn't, you know, we got it in the store, but we hadn't made many official announcements about it because last week we launched on Android, um, and so we've been focusing our, our our media output on that. Uh, the big announcement on on iOS for, uh, is we're going to hold off until next week because we're also releasing some some other stuff to in addition to it. Um, so, but but another th- uh, point that we came into the two things one was there were some you know there were some problems with the UI text view. Um, and uh, that that had to do with with uh, scrolling when you're you're typing long lines of text, um, and so we had these kind of hack around code saying we shouldn't have to do this. And, you know, that I'm sure you've probably seen in projects. I don't know why I have to do it. I shouldn't have to do it. And, but here's the exhaustive Stack Overflow discussion about why you, you have no choice. Um, and then you know, text view, UI text view really was given a pretty big overhaul. And in fact, I think there was a Brent Simmons blog post about it for, for Vesper, a lot of things that they, they, were, they were very happy with with new uh, UI text view. Um, but for us, uh, we noticed that the, the hack arounds, uh, when you apply them on iOS 8, have bad side effects. So in the case where you, you, it's a case where you basically say, you know, if you're, you're, if you're less than, than seven, you know, less than or equal to, to, to seven one, don't apply them. And if you're, you know, if not, yeah, do and if if you're not, don't. Right. In other words, it fixes the thing. And it's a case where there's you know normally you're told you should never look up things like version numbers, but in this particular case, when you're working around bugs, you can't really, you know, you you would have to know intrinsically check for the existence of of a method that you know exists in there. But you know you never know. Um, so it, it it you know it it is an Apple sanctioned mechanism for doing it. But that's a case where you know. Uh, in that particular case, we're, we're happy if people haven't upgraded to seven because for for editing long bits of text, um, it's not good. But the other thing is interaction with with new keyboards. So you know, you, you know, uh, iOS eight runs on on fours and four s's, and God help anybody who's trying to run it on a four. Maybe a four s is, is barely fast enough. But more importantly, uh, is the the limited screen real estate and with the you know the new predictive keyboard, uh, which is nice. It's cool, but it also takes a, another whatever 30, 30 pixels or so of, of already very limited screen real estate, and it's on by default. So um, anyway, it's uh, you know you have all, all 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 these changes, and then we've had reports saying, hey, it doesn't interoperate very well with swipe, and and I had to say, you know, that's sad, you know, because I, I'd never heard of Swipe before. Um, and I, I know that there are people who swear by it, and it, it made a big thing on, on Android, and people were very happy that it came on iOS 7, or, you know, on, rather on iOS. Um, so that's something that, that we, you know, if we had known the developers of it, yes, I, I'm sure maybe we could have gotten a beta for it. But here's a case where there's a whole new set of, of, of interactions that you may need to know. And I've also found that the, the orders of operation with showing and hiding the keyboard and exactly when those things get fired, particularly if you're transitioning from one view controller to another, um, that has burned us a little bit because some things have changed subtly. So we've have to, to look very carefully at that. And again, it just causes more of a testing burden um, between seven and eight, especially if you decide that you are going to support seven. So Scotty, I want you to say some word. I want you to say crackling. You know what crackling is? It's the uh, skin off of roast pork. It is, but it's also the the way I might describe your audio at this moment. All oh, right, okay. Um, well, hopefully it's not coming that way on the recording. If it is, then folks, I uh, apologise. 
I'm obviously having some technical details. I'm working with a brand new microphone today. Um, I'm on a brand uh, a different setup before when we had crackling a few weeks ago. So there must be some other problem somewhere. Maybe the only common denominator I think between this time and last time we had crackling is actually my MacBook. Does that mean I'm going to have to replace my MacBook? Yeah, this is a luxurious problem. It's like, I need a new car. Why? Well, because the ashtray is full. (laughs) I wish it was uh, that easy. So just talking about MacBooks, um, there's been talk of uh, um, Dell releasing um, Retina screens recently in the 27-inch range for about $700. I have no idea if they're any good, but of course, a lot of people have been saying, well, if they can now produce that size screen um, at a true sort of two-to-one ratio from what a 27-inch screen used to be, um, then surely we're going to see that from Apple soon. Because you you may or may not remember, um, depending on how long you listen to the show, I'm, I'm hanging out for one of the, for a new iMac. Um, however, you know, I'm waiting for a Retina iMac, um, and then I'll start working off one of those. Although, I have to be honest, now it's this late in the year, even if they brought one out in October, which I don't think they're going to, but even if they did bring one out in October... Um, I'll probably wait now till next spring when the new range of Intel processors come out. But anyway, that's different. But do you think we're going to see any uh, iMac updates this year, John? Uh, you know, you I don't care, do you really? I, I, I don't care, but I also don't think so. I think that Apple has 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 done their thing um, for the for for the year, and and they can just now happily focus on cranking these things out as fast as possible. But speaking so, of so smooth no transitions, I, no, but no, let me just interrupt you. So no iPads either. Oh. Uh, it seems like it would be seem. Uh, it doesn't seem like it, but I don't know. I mean, I think I I was kind of under the impression that the six plus is the new iPad. Yeah, that's true. It's like the, rather the, they were the replacement for people who had, were yearning for an iPad. That well, could be wrong. Could be there. So I I haven't actually. Have you seen a six plus in in the wild yet? I have not. Truth be told, I've not even seen a six. Okay, I've seen a six, and I said the the scaling issues on some of the apps there look um. Uh, a little funny. Now, of course, I, I don't know how this works, and so I could be just talking on my backside here, but that's probably explained the crackling. Um, that, you know, if it's just scaling the iPhone apps as well and they're looking a little bit weird on the 6, I just wonder what the heck they look like on the 6 Plus, because the 6 Plus can't get iPad apps, can it? If it's something's marked as an iPad only, um, or even as universal, it gets the iPhone version, doesn't it? Uh, yes, but I think that, you know, Apple is Apple and they can kind of change the rules about how they launch and, and display and render stuff. So who knows? Hmm. I'm going to have to go and get one just to find out now, aren't I? Absolutely. Yeah. I think, well, now here's the thing I wish I could do. You know, I remember uh, a very common thing I would do is, is, uh, since I didn't happen to have my own, uh, Apple device testing lab in my home, I would just do the next best thing and head on down to the Apple store and download builds of, of, of memory miner on, on, run them on a bunch of different devices and also run them with, with really nice kind of well-made demo libraries because, uh, you know, for for their own demos, they have beautiful iPhoto libraries with lots of recognized faces and whatnot. It was it was great. I mean, um, I, I became good friends with a number of the people on there, and they say, "Ah, oh, hey, John, what's up? You know, which which device do you need today?" Um, but you really can't do that in the store because you can't just go in and download apps willy nilly. It would be nice, though. Yeah, yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? Yes. Oh well, moving on. Yeah, yeah I, I, I had a bit of a nightmare with Git today um, as well. It's, it's something I've not come across before. Um, 
It, it, for all I know, it may be a really well-known issue, and everyone's going to tell me that you know I'm just stupid or or whatever. So I'm just sharing so many not researched to come across it. But I created a file. Uh, this was for some web stuff. So uh, I created a file and, and gave it a name. Realized I'd uh, not capitalized the name correctly um, in in the file to to fit my standards, and so I renamed the file. Um, but of course, it seems that on the Mac, the Git doesn't recognize a um, a file rename where it uses the same letters, but in different cases as a as a um, it recognizes a change as a change, and it's allowed the the file to be re-added to Git on a Git add, but it didn't actually rename the file in the repo. It didn't actually do a rename internally. So, of course, once I deployed the file, um, which was deployed to a, uh, a Linux box where the file system is totally case sensitive, everything just began failing. Um, and I was trying to work out why, because the file was called one thing on my disk and another thing there. Um, and in the end, I solved it by, I had to, I, you know, I changed the name of the file to XXX, added it back into the Git repo, pushed it, then named the file back to what it should be with the right thing, added it back in the repo and pushed it. And at that point, because the file had changed to something totally different, it did all the renaming properly. So if you are using Git and um, you've got to change things and you're fussy about your capitalization, or cause, either because you need to be because you're going to deploy on Linux or just because you're anal, um, just just just, just uh, those are your two options really <laughs> could be somewhere in between i guess uh your company standards say so uh just be aware of that one i say i may be teaching grandma to suck eggs as we'd say in this country i don't know if that's a phrase you use but um it, it's the first time i think i've come across that um and it's uh, it took me it, it didn't take me that long to work out what was going on but it was a bit of a pain in the backside i have to say interesting well, Scotty, I have I have one more thing, which is it's it's a it's a link for the show notes, but think something to, to think about, which kind of uh, uh, so my friend Ted, uh, hi Ted, um, uh, went up and he was taking pictures at the the uh, Apple Store in Soho, New York, and he was noticing that there was like an enormous line of of uh, Chinese folks who were were buying buying basically buying what they could buying two two devices flipping them immediately so to to you know allow for the the import of these devices and as soon as they could they would go back on the line and there's this guy named Casey Neistat who's who's kind of a uh, makes these very funny and snarky films in New York so I'll give a link to both of those things and he was just basically saying wow how th how things have changed because you know it used to be that that people that the people who were lining up for these devices were all just basically nerd fanboys and and it was a party like that and now you see you know the conditions of people who are are, are literally kind of staying there two days in ahead in advance and sleeping because they kind of have to, and they're being harassed by the by the police saying, "Hey, if you're going to wait in line, you can't go to sleep." And and there was even some arrests. It was it was kind of ugly. It really was. Um, and then there was some additional controversy because you know Gruber was saying, "Oh, it's racist for you to just you know point out only the the, the Asians uh, who were in line there, but you know there were the, the the fifteen white boys, and why you know how do you know that they weren't flipping?" And and 
my friend Ted is like, look, I was actually there and I'll, I'll, I have my entire roll of photos. So this is not a case of somebody selectively pointing out there was, there was truly a market difference. And it was just very clear, obviously clear that who was waiting in line to flip things. And, and you're not a- asking the right questions. The more interesting questions about is why is the, the six and six plus not available at launch time in China? And is there something else going on that's maybe more, more clever about things like, you know, we're not so certain that we trust Apple devices to not have some, some NSA back door, for example. So that's uh, not really technical, but something I thought that was interesting since we are developers uh, for these devices and, and the, 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 you know, we are now in a world where, where, you know, these for, you know, hitherto super luxury devices are available in every corner of the planet. Now, certainly not with the penetration that they, they have in, in North America and Europe, but it's, it's changing. It is, isn't it? And I think, um, I, I, you know, I didn't even pay any notice to where it was being rolled out um, this week. I just assume they get rolled out almost everywhere these days, but uh, I'm, I'm guessing that wasn't true then. Yeah, no. There, I mean, slowly it's just for, for demand and stuff like that, and there's regulatory things. But but the 5S, I believe, was something that was unusual because it was the first time that Apple had been able to roll out um, in, in greater China in, in, at the same time that they were doing it in North America and Europe. Okay, so, interesting, interesting stuff. Yeah. Well, there we are, John. That's been a fun-packed episode. Um, I'm sure people will just want to be having more fun with you. So where can they come and have fun with you? You can have lots of fun by finding me on Findery as John Fox, or you can find me on the Twitters as Jembe. That's DJMB. DJEMBE. Not like the DJ, but like the West African drum. And you can find out all about my product, Memory Miner, at memoryminer.com. My name is Scotty. You can find me on Twitter as MacDevNet. John, I gave up on um, App.net today, this last this week. I, uh, I I made my last post. Um, I have no idea if anybody responded to it because after making my last post, I um, updated to iOS 8, and uh, one of the few apps I did actually leave on the phone um, during that upgrade was Netbot. Um, which immediately just crashes under iOS 8, um, so I've no idea if anyone's responded. So if you said goodbye or no, please stay, I do apologise, but I'm not there anymore. Um, just uh, never never looks it often enough that it's just uh, a social network you never look at. It's just not worth having. Anyway, I'm uh, Matt Devnet on Twitter, if you want to find me there. You can uh, find the show notes for this show at iDeveloper.co, or you can go and subscribe to the email list where they'll come straight to your email inbox. And you can find my personal blog at wafflewithmeaning.com. It's been uh, fun. Hope you uh, enjoyed the show. And until next time, you take care. Oh, and if I've been crackling in your ears, I do apologize. I'll, I'll look at the audio in a minute. Well, no, I won't look at the audio. Well, I might look, will look at the audio. It's a sort of signy wavy thing, but I'll listen to it as well, I guess, because that might be easier. Scotty, you're waffling with no meaning. <laughs> That's probably should be should be more on the title of my blog, Waffle with Very Little Meaning. <laughs> it's just a longer domain name, isn't it? Okay, sir, thank you very much. Um oh, I'm hoping it wasn't too crackly. We'll find out in a minute. <laughs> Thank you.